Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland Territory. My name is Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions. In this episode, our guest is Dr. Andrew Grinnell. Andrew has been involved with developing responses to poverty for over 20 years. After working nationally with the Salvation Army, he spent 10 years living in a low-income estate in Leeds, seeking to develop places of hospitality with local people. He is a facilitator for the Leeds Poverty Truth Commission, co-director of the Poverty Truth Network, and a core team member of Urban Life. It really was a treat to catch up with Andrew, and I know this is an episode you're going to want to listen to, so let's get straight into it. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the Ultra Podcast. Hello, Matt. It's good to be here. I, I don't think I call you Andrew, but I've been thinking about this. I don't know what I call you. I think if I'm talking about you only ever yeah. in, a, in a positive way, you will obviously yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else is there to talk about? Right? Well, you're Grinner. If I talk about you, you're Grinner, yeah. which I think is how most yeah. people know you. But if I talk to, and then if yeah. I talk to you, I don't do that thing where I ever say hello and then your name. So I don't I don't actually know. But I guess I call you Andrew. There you go. We find it. I call you Andrew. Yeah, well, uh, what, it's nice. It's nice to have the formal name. Yes. It, it's really weird. So, so Grinner now is like 30 years old. Wow. Uh, in some ways. Uh, How old's uh, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, how old's Andrew? Andrew's 48 and Grinner's 30. Uh, um, and it was always, obviously, it's partly to do with my surname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also it was to do with, I, I, I studied at music college uh, as a trombone player. Yeah. And I would spend lot. If something happened in the concert that was funny, I would just start laughing, which isn't uh, great if you're a trombone no, player. No. And so that's where the nickname really came uh, from. Was that I'm such a grinner? Was where it started. Well, that's well, that's how that's the only. I mean, that's how I was introduced to you, and that's how I've known you. Now we should let people know. You know, this sounds like we've been talking for two minutes. We actually were meant to start recording this about 40 minutes ago, but we got talking Absolutely. and now and I've suddenly gone, we should probably hit record. So if this is the fastest episode ever of the Ultra Podcast, it's because we ran out of time. Absolutely. And it's also probably because we speak very quickly, yeah. both of us. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we can get through a lot yeah. of content in a very short space if, of time. If you've clicked times two on your podcast app this morning, you might want to take that down to 0.5. Give yourself a chance just Absolutely. to get through it and to get to the right Absolutely. length of an episode. Uh, now, Andrew, I've done my intro before, but tell everyone, because a lot of people listening will know you from the Salvation army they'll know you either uh from the worship leading days at roots where you were really central to that to that kind of worship movement that emerged uh, or then beyond that i guess then in your work through a love and for the wider salvation army uh in terms of your work around some of the 614 projects and stuff like that what do you do now what do i do now so i stopped working for the salvation army nearly 10 years ago actually wow. over 10 years ago wow um and uh i'd moved up from southwest london up to leeds and got really involved in Leeds City and really intrigued about how do we reimagine how the city responds to issues of poverty, mm. particularly by having people who have that wisdom of lived experience, the wisdom of knowing what it means to struggle against it yeah. in the room, yeah. actually setting the agenda. So I, I partly run something in Leeds called Leeds Poverty Truth Commission, mm -hmm. which brings about 15 people who experience poverty across the city into dialogue with city leaders, whether they be politicians, uh, whether they be business leaders, sports people, and they work together for a period of time. So how do we respond to poverty in the city together? Uh, so I do that in Leeds. And then we have a network of poverty truth commissions that are springing up. They're like bubbling up all around the country, oh, wow. which is really exciting. So I kind of help support that. Um, and then that's about half of my working mm -hmm. life. The other half of my working life is spent in helping people who are maybe training for ministry or involved in kind of 
places that are a bit marginalized mm. and trying to do mission there trying to help them think theologically about things like ethics about uh, mission and a bunch of different other stuff wow. so it's kind of I, I don't really have a job mm. i have a series of different interests that i manage to find ways of being paid to do and family family wise uh you're married to mags you've got kids as well tell us about your family yeah so our eldest is 22 wow um he's just finished in university uh wants to be involved in politics mm. although not as a politician uh, but uh, definitely wants to be involved in politics. And then we got a 20-year-old who is involved in childcare uh, for a children's centre in Leeds. And then we've got a 16-year-old who's just about to do uh, a, a GCSEs. I nearly said A-levels then. Yeah, GCSEs. Um, and she wants to be anything from a, between a human rights lawyer to an architect. Uh, okay. She's kind of just zoning in on a few hundred different jobs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the future. Now, we, we are going to do our hypothetical hike, as we always do here on uh, the Ultra and Podcast. Excellent. But before we do, we've got to mix our first two choices. So where are we walking? Where are you hypothetically walking? I would like us to walk to a bus stop. Okay. Now, that's not because I'm lazy and refuse to do too much walking. Yeah. But it's a very specific bus stop. Okay. So this bus stop is in a, a city in Brazil called Belo Horizonte. Um, and the reason why I'd like us to hike there is about getting on for 30 years ago, when I took a year out with the Salvation Army, part of it was spent in Brazil working with street children. Oh. And we, uh, myself and Carl, who's a friend of mine, uh, went to work there and we were staying in a kind of night shelter on the outskirts of Belo Horizonte. And our job every morning was to walk the street children who were staying in the night shelter to the bus to catch the bus with them into the main city to wow. go into the daycare centre. And and it was just a remarkable thing because uh, Carl nor I spoke any Portuguese, really, which is obviously the language that the Brazilians speak. Mm. Uh, uh, and we were kind of, it must have looked really weird, these lily white English people marching these uh, um, uh, street children into town. Wow. Uh, but it was... Uh, I, I think it was one of those walks. Um, and when when I was asked to do this, I was like, mm. what am I going to talk about? Mm. Where? Actually, I would love to go and do that walk again. Mm. I would love to uh, I would love to walk that way with those street children and see yeah. what's happened to them, yeah. uh, those who are living. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, so that, that's where we're walking to, the bus. We're going to catch a bus, Matt. Well, it's quite, I mean, you say bus stop and I kind of go, what? And then you kind of tell the story. And it's like, yeah, of course, that sounds incredible. I've never, I've never actually been to South America at all. It's, it's not really? a part of the world I've ever set foot in. So I would, I would love to, to go to Brazil. But again, it just sounds amazing, like you say, to go back and revisit that. And also, I think like many people listening can probably relate to that thing yeah. of when you've worked with kids or young people or, or even just, you know, people that you've worked with many, many years ago, that opportunity to see them again now and to see yeah. how, how life has been and gone and to and yeah that I think that would be really really powerful that's fascinating well and the other bit of it is it, you know it, in some ways I I did that year out at the end of uh, my music mm. college and before kind of getting involved in all the many different things I've yeah. been involved in so partly it's actually going to do that walk with me as a 21 year yeah. old 22 year old yeah to kind of re really uh, reflect yeah. on some of the stuff that's happened over this last absolutely years, 20 odd years yeah that's fascinating Fascinating. And who's coming with us? So it's you and me. We get one living, one dead, one fictional. Who's on the walk? Okay, now this is this is where you start to realise that any rules that you give me, oh, I'm going to fudge a little this bit. Is all, this is every um, episode now. Every episode people are turning okay. up and changing my rules. It's fine. It's fine. I'm really chill about it. I'm cool. I'm fine. Fine. Uh, I, yeah, 
yeah, on the Zoom call that I'm looking at, and you look chilled about it. Furious. Uh, uh, but the, the first person, I don't know if they're living or they're dead. Okay. That's the reason why uh, um, I'm going to fudge this one. Okay. Um, and it's Tank Man. So I would like to walk with Tank Man. Okay. Now, you're looking quizzically. Tank yeah. Man is a guy who, in 1989, stood in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square mm. in uh, Beijing, in mm. uh, uh, China after there'd been a, a, a dreadful kind of cleansing of the area. Yeah. Um, and this guy, uh, if you don't, if you've not uh, seen the picture of it, Incredible see picture. the picture yeah. of it, uh, of, uh, of Tank Man uh, kind of standing in front mm. of this tank, stopping it from mm. moving forward. And I'd love, I would love to meet him. I, I think for a bunch of reasons. One, just to know how he felt in that moment, mm. how much guts he's got to do it. But also, I mean, he's Chinese. I, I just kind of been with somebody from a very different culture yeah. in Brazil. Another different culture yeah. would be fascinating. So yeah. Tank Man gets my, uh, but of course we don't. Uh, no he, one knows. He, yes, nobody of knows who he is. Yeah. So I don't know if he's living or dead. So if I, he could be my dead category, okay. that would be great. Is that is that right? So that's yeah. one. Who's the who's the other? Let's call the other non-fictional. Who's our other non-fictional character? The other non-fictional, actually, if we're gonna do that walk. Hmm. This is where I push the rules a little bit go. again. Yep. Can I ask my old family? I need to know why. And the reason I need to know why is because everyone always says when they come on here, and it normally gets cut out in the edit, but everyone always goes, you know, obviously I take my family because obviously we all want our family to know we love our family. But so yeah. I, I, so here's, here's, I might bend the rules on this occasion. Why your whole family? Because I want them all to experience yeah. that walk. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. So and Mags, my wife, went to Brazil the year before mm. and actually worked on the same project. So it mm. wouldn't be particularly a new experience for her, but we didn't walk that way together. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though actually when I got off the plane and came back, we we actually got engaged. Wow. So it was kind of really pivotal in yeah. our lives. But our children, uh, I, I think they might understand more of who their crazy parents are yeah, and some yeah, of the yeah. decisions we made yeah. in our lives yeah. if they were able to walk that walk with me. Do I get them all? Yeah, why not? Come on. No one else is allowed okay, to, though. Good. And also, it good. doesn't mean that every other guest we've had didn't love their family. That's the key thing. I don't want any of the guests frightened right. to That's me right. going, hey, I said my family too. It's like, we get it. Everyone, like, but I'm going to yeah. lie on this one. Okay, and then fictional. Here we go. It's going to be the Avengers. Here we go. Who knows what this could be, right? Here we go. Come <laughs> on. Who's coming? Okay, it is It is a fictional character. Yeah. But it, I, I am, I, I'll be really honest. I don't read any books that are fictional i'm rubbish at that mm. i fall asleep in films okay. even if i'm really into them yeah so i'm not very good at that so my fictional character is eleanor rigby oh okay so eleanor rigby for those of you who are under the ages of 40 <laughs> and haven't watched uh, get back uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely is uh uh somebody that the beatles write about in a mm. song uh, called eleanor rigby um, and you know very little about her. Yeah. You know that she's gathering rice in a church. Yeah. And then you know that she dies in that church. Yeah. Um, and that's all you know. And I just, I, I mean, partly it's curiosity. Mm. I want to know who Eleanor Rugby is. So I'd love to work with her. And also, I'd love to work with normal people. Mm. I like, I think I think sometimes we get curious about the big names and the big people. Mm -hmm. And I think... I, I think that's absolutely right. Mm. You know, and I, I love to work with Barack Obama. I'd love mm. to do with all that kind of stuff. But actually, sometimes we miss the 
brilliance and beauty of normal people mm. if we don't walk with them. So Eleanor Rigby finding out actually what the rest of her life was like will be fantastic. Wow. Well, that is that is quite a lineup. It's going to be, uh, yeah, yeah and a, a fascinating trip that would be. That sounds great. Well, all the guests on the Ultra podcast answer the same four questions. So here is the first one for you. How do we face change? Oh, I kind of often pride myself on the fact that I embrace change. Mm. But the truth is, I probably don't really like it. Mm. Uh, but I, I, you know, if you look at my life, you know, as we were talking earlier, I don't have a normal career path. Yeah. Um, we moved from Southwest London up to Leeds uh, 16 years ago, nearly, you know, uh, and kind of created a disjuncture even in, in the way that you kind of normally live. Mm. So it's not something I uh, am scared of, mm. but it's not something I particularly like. I think I think mm. there'd be three things that I'd say about change that I think we need to be. I think we need to be open sighted. I think we need to be open handed. And I think we need to be open hearted. Mm. So by open sighted, uh, if that is a phrase uh, which we, we can now coin, yeah. um, I think I think it's it's going into change with our eyes wide open, with a curiosity to kind of be asking what is going on here, mm. what is changing, what what am I noticing? Not just like the big things, but what what's the little bits yeah. that I'm just spotting that 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 are emerging in this place? And so being really clear about our sight, being really clear and curious, and kind of looking at what that means, I think is really important. Do you know what? Do you know what I think else on that as well? Just that just struck me as you're saying it. So often when we think about change, we want to be far-sighted and actually we need to be more near-sighted. So when you say open-sighted, Absolutely. that's what you're talking about, right? Because when you said open-sighted, yeah. I was like, I don't, I, but I totally get it because actually I think we go into change going, what's the long-term? And so in doing that, we yeah. miss, like you talked about, the little things, those little, yeah. those little bits of nuance and detail that there's so much joy in, but we cannot see if we don't have that open sight. I love that. Absolutely. See, it's, it's looking into the ordinary. Yeah actually and being trying to be present do you know yeah. what i mean in that ordinary moment yeah so i think there's a kind of open sightedness that there needs to be mm. the open handedness is actually we naturally cling on to the past mm -hmm. that, that you know and there's partly that's because we're wired to try to learn from the past but sometimes we cling on and say oh that's our identity that's who i am that's what i'm mm. about or, or that uh, a thing is mine i need to keep hold of it yeah whether that's a physical like a, 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 a kind of product yeah. or whatever yeah whereas actually if we're going to embrace change we have to open our hands mm. and be willing to let go of those things mm. but also willing to receive what that change might give to us mm. um which i guess leads to being open-hearted mm. um and actually I think the great thing about change uh, uh, is that it often flows us into relationships that we might not normally engage with. We might meet new people and being open hearted in that enables us to receive other people into our lives, mm. into our being who we might actually, if we're, if we're closed off mm. and uh, trying to protect ourselves, we might uh, not actually get the gift of. Mm. So I think kind of open-sighted, open-hearted, open-handed will be the kind of three ways 
that I might think about how do we embrace change. And in terms of then, you know, we, you talked a little bit about when it comes to uh, being, we talked about open-sided and how, you know, either we can be looking too far or we can not be uh, looking kind of expansively enough. We talked about an open-handed, you talked about maybe clinging to the past. When it comes to being open-hearted, what would you say are the are the main things that would stop you or perhaps others? What stops us living like that? What, what surrounds that? I think self-preservation sometimes, and mm. self-preservation isn't a bad thing. Mm. I'm not, you know, it stops us getting eaten by bears. Just, That's all I know. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, living in Leeds, there's bears just wandering well, around you know what, the streets you know what it, all the time. Do you know what it is? It's one of my, it's one of my, it's one of my things, but it's, and it's crept into the, the kind of Christian language a little bit, but this idea that, you know, fear or, or that kind of stuff is, is only ever a bad thing is, is not healthy. It's not healthy. All of our instincts, all of those things, of course they can have kind of toxic traits, but, but the idea that self-preservation or fear, or any of those things is only inherently bad really, really irks me. Cause I'm like, no, it's like, that's what stopped our ancestors getting eaten by bears was like, I heard a noise. Absolutely. Should I walk towards it or run the other way? Run the other way. It's like, you know, it's that thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think in the kind of Salvation Army tradition, that kind of sense of self-denial as well, mm. sometimes doesn't help with that. Yeah. Because it actually almost obliterates self yeah. rather than recognising that we are human and yeah. that we have uh, uh, we have to care for ourselves. Yeah. We have to we have to almost host ourselves yeah. if we're going to host other people. Well, it's where the idea of surrender is so much better. Surrender is such a better way of thinking about those things. Like, I just think that word is yeah. one that we would do a great service to reclaim and rediscover for ourselves like the idea of surrendering like that doesn't come from a place of i just kind of either deny all my feelings that it's a it's a it's such a strong word and and also a very salvation army word the surrender word is a a big word. yeah i guess open-heartedness is like going around somebody's house for a meal that's been the meal's been uh, cooked with love Mm. do you know what i mean it's Mm. not it's not just a microwave job it's like somebody has cooked a meal and you are just going to enjoy that. And there's warmth to mm. it. There's engagement to it. Mm. And I think that's what it means to be open hearted, that mm. we are preparing meals from what we have for one another, that metaphorically and yeah. in practice, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you are constantly kind of saying, actually, how can I be open to this guest that is coming into my house? Mm. How can I be open to this person that's coming in uh, to to as i as i meet on the street mm. as i'm walking down mm. how can we be open to them vulnerable mm. and available for them in such a way that it's you're building a relationship whereby which they are for you what you want to be for them and there's yeah. a kind of two-way street to being open hearted and i guess that then uh sits somewhat apart i guess from the kind of the service kind of I am here to serve you I mean I, I we've talked a lot about the uh, about the 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 stuff and around poverty that you've done in Leeds and now on a much more national scale as well how big has that shift been in your mind from that sense of I am here to serve you to creating open-hearted relationships where actually you go we benefit from just being together it's a massive shift Matt I'm why I'm middle class I'm middle-aged heterosexual, half-educated, you know, I have been taught since I was three, four years old 
to put a cape on my back and wear my pants outside my trousers mm. as some kind of superhero, mm. not because I'm strange in any sense. <laughs> but 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 that's that's part of my DNA. Yeah. I'm taught how to fix things. I'm yeah. taught how to be the fourth emergency service. Yeah. That's that's what I'm taught as a as as all those characteristics mm. that I've already outlined. And so actually recognizing that people who the world might say don't offer anything actually are my salvation mm. uh, a guy called john sabrina an el salvadorian uh, uh, writer wrote a book no salvation outside of the poor which is for the church actually is the poor that brings mm. salvation to them mm. now i hate that language of mm. calling somebody poor mm. i think that's really demeaning mm. and i'd want to always say it's about people who struggle against poverty because mm. they're more than mm. just their economic status but what i would want to say is actually in learning how to hang out with people, you recognize that you, you're being rewired. Mm. That superhero stuff, that's a myth mm. that actually isn't the way that we are created to be. That's mm -hmm. not what God designed for us. Mm. That it's a myth and we need to deal with it and detox it in some ways. Actually, those relationships where I am reminded that I'm a complete and utter idiot if I think I can sort their lives out. Mm -hmm. it, it, they are vitally important to remind myself not just who they are, but who I am mm. and actually who God is in that mm. mix. And that's a totally different posture then for change, isn't it? Because like you say, that's not changing someone's life, which again is some of that language that we've all had in our kind of you know circles for such a long time. But that's about that's about seeking change and and wondering i guess then what part we might get the chance to play in it now that's a lot more words yeah. but it, it actually is probably a more accurate way of describing what you're talking about which is how do we enter spaces with humility how do we create relationships that are equal not kind of you know uh, kind of savior and and to be saved it's it's so important Absolutely. And it reminds us that the agent of change isn't us, it's yes. God. Yes. Uh, so theologically, it's about recognising that God, when we moved to uh, the neighbourhood we moved to in Leeds, mm. which was a low income neighbourhood, mm. we didn't bring God like into that neighbourhood like it was some kind of happy meal mm -hmm. from Ma McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God had been there mm. all the way through. In fact, he'd been part of the creation of that mm. very place. Mm. And so our job was simply to shack up and see where God was at work mm. and see that actually the biggest piece of work that God might be doing in that place was the change that he was doing inside of us. Yeah. And so actually it is about changed lives. Yeah. But the first lives that are changed are those people who think that we are the superheroes going to sort yeah. everything out. And that's not to say, because again, I, I, you know, these are conversations you and I have been having for 20 odd years and, and all. And, and, and the criticism that often comes back is that we're in a way you're trying to demean the work that that is being done, the, the the positive effective change that is happening in those places. It doesn't demean any of that. It just means that you have to recognize that you didn't do it. Like yeah, absolutely. It, you just have to take on a different role with it. You just have to be happy not getting a round of applause at the end of it. Like that's all it is, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's about uh it, it is a, it is about surrender. Yeah. And in so many ways and it's about surrendering our own desire to be seen oh. and to be the hero yeah that's what that and and you know matt we were both trained musicians we were trained 
to uh, to receive the applause of yeah. people when we'd finished playing. Yeah. And so actually that is a massive detox program for somebody like myself. Oh, who was yeah. used to having the recognition of the applause. Yeah. There's a book by um, Sarah Haggerty called Unseen. I must quote it every other episode in this of this show, but um I genuinely can't recommend it highly enough to people because the the change that makes in terms of that a recognizing the role we get to play in the story rather than making ourselves the hero of the story something we all need to be better at but b also that sense of it's not about doing the unseen thing so you can say you did the unseen thing it's about genuinely finding fulfillment and surrendering that need to be seen yeah like that is such a big shift for so many of us sam wells who's the rector at Mm. um st martin's in the field on trafalgar square uh, in a book called Improvisation, contrasts saints and heroes. Mm. Uh, where the, the hero is the centre of the story. Yeah. They've uh, they've been valorous. They've changed something. They've done something. Whereas the saint is always on the edge. Yeah. And they are always pointing the direction of Christ. Mm. And actually, our call is to be saints and not to be heroes. Oh, so good. So good. Okay, question two is this. How do we move through suffering? I've thought quite a lot about this mm. and, and I want to actually challenge the question. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we sometimes see suffering as a kind of period in somebody's life that mm. we work through. And for many of us, there are things that cause us to experience suffering for whom it is a period of our lives. Mm. But actually, I'm not sure that everybody does move through suffering because the nature of their suffering is almost so it's so part of their totality so actually mm. you know it, in some ways that the, the the question's got a degree of privilege to it but only if you move through out of it which is why for me i actually love the question in a way because i my one of the things i have always struggled with around suffering is people say how do you overcome it or how do you get past it yes one of the reasons yeah, yeah, i love yeah, yeah, yeah. shia's question is because actually i think implicitly there's a sense by which there is no end to the question which is why i've always really liked it as a question so it's interesting that kind of yeah i find that fascinating yeah i i I think for uh, people who are uh, who suffer from uh, what i might call the wound of poverty Mm. you know uh, poverty wounds everybody Mm. it wounds those Mm. people who experience it firsthand it wounds people who are trying to help uh create responses to it and actually to live in a society where some people do not have enough food to eat Mm. nor have the ability to heat their homes Mm. to live in that society it is wounding us all as society absolutely and so we all suffer because of that yeah but we suffer in different ways and there's a a 20th century writer called simone vi and she's a brilliant writer in so many ways, coming to terms with the struggle of the war uh, and and struggling to think through what does that mean Mm. for how we live as human beings. Mm. And she talks about the difference between suffering and affliction. So uh, affliction is when there's psychological, there's physical, there's emotional, there's economic suffering, all felt by somebody at the same time. Mm. And that it's almost simultaneous that they experience that. I have never experienced affliction. Mm. I have experienced suffering, but I've never felt experienced affliction. Mm. And and I and I think when we when we think 
talk about suffering, actually, not creating a hierarchy of who's suffering yeah, the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really problematic. Yeah. yeah. But actually, for for so many within not just the UK society, but a global society, mm. they are afflicted, and that suffering feels almost like it is bombarding them all the time in lots of different ways yeah whereas for somebody like me who has the resources yeah the of of, of a, a, a range of resources uh, um it uh, can come out of the other side of particular as particular seasons of suffering mm. does that make sense no i think it's really interesting and again i think i think your reaction to the question is a is a really important one because i think it's for me i think it's really important that this idea that suffering is a thing that you come over and then you write a book or give your testimony about it yeah. and we little, put a pretty bow on it and we go, you know, let's all sing. It's good, over. Let, it's we'll, finished. We'll sing it's good, done. good father and everyone can come to the front. Right. So I, 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 I want to, I want to be part more of what for me, what, you know, the, the question for me has, has, and again, it's probably that interesting thing, isn't it? Cause for me with the questions, I get to come on here and talk to people about it and, 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 and the, the conversations go in that direction rather than necessarily what we've seen so many times in so many places, which is we talk about suffering, inverted commas, after it's finished. But but actually, yeah. I guess because of, and specifically the work you do, many of us don't know what it's like to live under the oppressive nature of something so, and not just even, you know, present, generational. The effects mm. of generational poverty, the effects of generational neglect, and the effects of underinvestment in certain parts of the UK, where where yeah. we haven't enabled and given people the tools to ever, uh, never mind uh, to 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 experience anything else, but even to aspire to anything else, because we just haven't given yeah. people that chance. I think it's really hard for many of us to to actually even begin to contemplate that. For those of us then who would want to make a difference in that place, who would want to see change. How do we then begin to move through that together? How do we? How can we actively be part of being present with people in that suffering that we might never experience? I, I mean, it, for for us, it meant moving into mm. the neighbourhood uh, and, and living in close proximity mm. uh, to people who know what it means. That's who who's have a daily struggle. Mm. Um, I, I think it's about just taking time and listening and sitting with people. Yeah. I, I, I think that kind of, you know, when somebody is sat asking for money, actually, sometimes they're sat asking for money and asking for connection. Mm -hmm. And so just learning to sit with that person, not in a way that you're trying to find out how you can fix them. Yeah. But just in a way that, it's about passing the time together. Um, yeah, like the like like building... like your presence is a gift, right? Like as it and, and being present with that person is their gift to you, right? That reciprocal. Absolutely, yeah. it that there, there is a two way yeah. street. So yeah. I think there is that. I think I and I, what I don't want to do in in, mm. in how I've answered this is underplay people suffering mm. in general. Mm. We we all suffer. Mm. I experience suffering i think uh, we as a family undoubtedly experience a particular kind of suffering because of the decisions we've made mm. to be in those circumstances mm. so i i don't want to underplay that mm. at all mm. and say that it's not insignificant mm. uh because but it, because it, it, it is mm. uh, but i do want to say actually let's make sure that we are placing ourselves in place where we see the 
the broader picture of the world. I mean, you know, we, we're doing this in March uh, 2022, mm. when we don't know what suffering is going to look like yeah. and how we respond to suffering in a way that makes sense of what is happening in Ukraine yeah. at the moment. Yeah. You know, the, the, the writings that emerged yeah. in the second half of the 20th century and the communities that developed and the responses, the therapies that worked, mm. that were coming to terms with the Holocaust mm. and with the horrors of the Second World War, mm. we as society are going to have to reframe what yeah. suffering is yeah. and how we respond on a macro level and on a personal level because of what we are seeing on our television screen, yeah. at screens and more importantly, what human beings are experiencing in ukraine at the moment we're going to be coming to terms with that for a long time Absolutely. similarly what we're doing coming out of the back of covid yeah. we're only just beginning to come to terms with you know what how that's unwired our brains and uh, how that's disconnected us as human beings that that's created an awful lot of suffering so so we are going to have to in some mm. ways have a curiosity yeah and a real sense of grace with one another yes as we emerge out the horrors and mm. i use that mm. word particularly and and definitively the horrors of these last few years mm. because it has been horrible mm. for so many mm. and so we 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 don't have the last word on suffering that so many christian cliched response mm. claim to have the last word on suffering yeah. and i'm just not sure we do because it's shifting it's emerging it has a dynamism uh, world events shape it personal yeah. events shape it we've always got to be open-handed yeah. and open-hearted yeah. even within that i i also just think the thing that that stands out just again is just that sense of of not looking at it from afar like there's this thing of you know so often when people want to have the last word they almost want to kind of cast the last word kind of from over here or up here it kind of yeah. comes you know he yeah. here's the last word on suffering for you whereas yeah, yeah. Uh, so much of what you're talking about strikes me as being so much closer like i may not ever and i will not ever experience some of the suffering that my friends do but i can choose where i position myself so that we move yeah. through it together. And again, that through, it's yeah. really important. You've so helpfully underlined, I think, the fact that this isn't an out the other side of, it's a right yeah. here in this moment, we're in it for the long haul. And um, the only other thing I would want to say on suffering, uh, uh, particularly how you've just articulated mm. it, uh, just to kind of put a theological frame, yeah. if, if the wounds of suffering are most clearly seen in Jesus, mm. you know, on the cross, uh, of course, those wounds physically do not go away. Yeah. They are there because Thomas needs to put his hands in. Yeah. They are there. They, they don't go away. So we don't we don't move. We don't graduate from suffering. Yeah. They're always there. Yeah. We're always wounded by those things yeah. that we've suffered through. Wow. Now, how we choose to live in the light of that and how we are able to, you know, who we put around ourselves. If you are suffering, mm. really suffering, you cannot do it on your own. Yeah. You need friends. Yeah. You may also need professionals yes, absolutely. to help you come to terms absolutely. with suffering. And that is that is part of what society needs to do yeah. to be able to acknowledge that we don't graduate from suffering. Yeah. 
it will always be with us. Wow. We need to stop for a second on the questions and have another choice. Yeah. So uh, along the way, you might want to have some music on from time to time on this walk to the bus stop. What would be on your playlist? I think in my case is what would not be on my playlist. Okay. Because I am majorly eclectic. Okay. Country and Western is not going to be on the playlist. Oh, see, no, I'm going to, I'm no, you see the problem, you know what the problem with that is? You just haven't heard any good stuff yet. You've got this, uh, in, you've okay. got, you've got it into your head that it's all, you know, kind of Stetsons and songs about trucks. And it isn't. Honestly, you've, <laughs> what you need to do, here's what you need to do. You need to go and watch the, the, the TV series Nashville. Once you've watched Nashville, okay. You you won't do that. You won't you won't do that again. I promise you, it'll change your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you 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 keep your cowboy boots. <laughs> uh, um, the other the other the other the, the genre. Yeah. Eighties synth pop. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not got. You know, we're just not having any of that. Stop None of that. And Waterman. They're None out. Of an, oh They're wow. Out. I guess what would be on my uh, playlist? Uh, I I would like to do kind of if I could mm. an alphabet. Do you know what I mean? And if we got like if we were on the bees. It'd be Bark, it'd be Bernstein, yeah. it'd be the Beatles. Yeah. It, it was something like Ben Folds. You know, yeah, there is a yeah, sense yeah. by which okay. you know, I, I, I do cover quite a, quite a big area. Love it. So question three is this. How do we receive joy? Oh, you know what? Um, I, I don't think joy is the flip side of suffering. Mm. I think they're related. Yeah. I think they're too co- connected to that. Yeah. And so some of the answers are the same. Yeah. I think who you put yourself around. Mm will show you what real joy is. When when I walk to the bus stop with those street children, yeah. I don't think I've ever experienced as much celebration. They were so joyous. Yeah. They were so generous. They used to nick stuff from the market seller and then give it to you as a gift. Do you wow. know what I mean? It yeah. was just, it, there was a real sense of celebration. Yeah. And and I think, I, I, I think it's true. People who have little are often the most joyful people. Mm. They've learned how to have life and life in its fullness uh, with so very little. And so I think actually kind of being around uh, people and being around people, people are brilliant, Matt. Mm. People are absolutely Mm. brilliant. They're amazing. If we we can have joy just by having a cup of tea with someone, Mm. Because we are finding out about them, talking to old people, finding out about their history, how life has changed, mm-hmm. what's been good. You know, you 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 can find joy in people mm. and being around people. And so I think I think that would be really important who you're around. Mm. And the other thing that creates joy is beauty. Mm. And we don't have to spend loads of money on beauty. Mm. You know, uh, listening to that music brings joy. Mm. You know, um, going for a walk brings joy Mm. or, you know, how do we look for beautiful things and enable that to to, to, for us to just rejoice in the very wonderful thing of this thing called life, Mm. despite all that suffering, despite all the insecurity and the overwhelming nature of what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. currently, Mm -hmm. life is still a joyful pursuit. If Mm. only we can be, I'll I'll use it again, clear-sighted enough, open-sighted enough to be able to see it in the moment and be able to celebrate it. I mean, hi, why is it that we can't kind of reorient ourselves in that direction? Why are we still so... You know, why am I still going to be so obsessed with things and and that and and why don't I see that beauty? What what can we do, I guess, to actively reorient? Let me um, illustrate 
by thinking back 20 years. 20 years ago, you and I and a bunch of other people were involved in what was quite a remarkable accident, which is one, we were given way too much permission to be able to go and have fun within the Salvation Army, within the nation, than people of our age and our experience should have been given, you know, and we were able to see things and do things. And it was a good laugh. It mm. was a lot of fun. Mm. But I'm not sure I was as joyful in those experiences as I should have been. Mm. And the simple reason is, is that when we were having one of those experiences, we were always thinking about the next one. Yeah. We were always thinking about what is going to, what do we do next? How do we move forward? What's, 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 where's this going? What's the new big idea? What's the new plan? Yeah. And actually, I think we have joy when we slow down a little bit mm. and just enjoy the fact that you and I are talking to one mm. another, uh, mm. you know, and not be thinking, all right, when I finish this podcast, I've got to go and do X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I, actually just, let's just enjoy this in the moment mm. let's be let's be dictated less by the 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 wristwatch or the you know the timer on the clock mm. let's be dictated to more by what is going on in this moment mm. what is how how can i mine this moment mm -hmm. for what's really going on mm -hmm. how can i enjoy this relationship that's in front of me now, yeah. not thinking about how can I utilize this relationship for some other thing in the future, Yeah. but how do I enjoy it? Now, fortunately, there were some moments of that. I don't want to uh, create a, a, a depiction of it. There were some great moments <laughs> yeah, of that of because, because some of us are still really great mates. Yeah. You know, there's one of those guys that I speak to every single week. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and we've maintained that relationship. Yeah. So there must have been some joy there. I don't yeah, think we do yeah, it out yeah. of the sense of duty. Uh, but actually, I think slowing down a yeah. little bit and saying, this moment is enough for me. Yes. This moment is enough. What? Where's joy here? Yeah, I just think that's so important. I think that sense of being right here, right now is one that uh, it's it's taken me a very long time to even recognize, let alone start to actually put into practice, yeah. you know, and again, you know, life changes as well, right? Because you have kids and all of a sudden you're always thinking about yeah, yeah, yeah. three o'clock for the school pickup and you're always thinking, you know, it's all those, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I absolutely hear and it resonates what you're saying. Those moments of, if only I'd have enjoyed that moment rather than thinking about what that moment meant for the next moment. And, and again, I think that's yeah. in, in the Salvation Army, in church, in, in the wider culture, I think it's wired culture. and baked into so much of everything. And in a way, Absolutely. then, it's totally brilliantly countercultural to be someone who chooses to be present in the moment and go, yeah, yeah. it's this. And it's also, yeah. I, 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 again, it's also otherworldly. Like when you actually do experience those moments, I can think of some in my head when, and some of them are really inane, like, you know, sitting in a cinema with some friends and just having this like epiphany of, this is incredible. Like, I just want to be in this moment for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, so again, I don't, why we wouldn't want more of that. I, yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? It's so, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 I'm tempted to actually say right here, right now again, because even the way that you said <laughs> now, it, it, you know, it, it, it's the silly things like that. Sometimes when I'm most joyful, yeah, I'm most childish. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Actually, that's not a bad thing. When I look at my two-year-old, when I look at my eight-year-old, yeah, they yeah. are so present. Like, we, the other night, it's yeah. such a silly story. Yeah, the other yeah. night, two-year-old's in the bath, eight-year-old's in his room doing some reading, and, and we just start singing this. I start singing a really silly song that we've been listening to that day, and, and all of a sudden, my eight-year-old starts popping his head in, and so I pretend to be surprised that he's there, and my two-year-old just starts laughing, which makes my eight-year-old laugh, which means that for the next... 20 minutes I sang the same song and pretended to be surprised every time one of them stuck their head around the door and then at that point I had to go and do some work and so I go right guys I've got to go mum's back I've got to go do some work and my kids go but why why can't we just keep doing this and I'm like you would do this all night like you would be in this moment of you know I'm pretending to be shocked but you you would be in this moment forever if I let you and yet as an adult I'm like, well, there's dinner yeah. to be made and the work's to be done. And you should go to bed. And, and they just don't. Kids just don't do that. No, absolutely. The final choice we have to make along the way uh, is what's in the snack bag. Oh, the snack bag. Uh, uh, coffee. Yes. Come Has on. Has to have coffee. I knew I knew I was on safe ground. It's got to have coffee yep. in it. That's, that's, just, that, that's just definite. The other thing is lemon meringue pie. Oh, okay. I am Mr. Sweet Tooth, actually. Well, this is my question about a lemon meringue pie. Is it more kind of meringue sweet or lemon bitter? Because I have a preference. Which one are you? Um, I, I, I'm going to sit on the fence here, which oh. is really unusual for me. <laughs> I think it's the juxtaposition of both flavours, man. Okay, interesting. I think that's probably why, as a three-year-old, I fell in love with lemon meringue pie. Yeah, I, I like the, I like okay. the thing together. So I, I don't kind of do the stupid thing of... Let's eat the meringue no, first. No, and no, then no, it's no, it. no. It's got to be a cross section. You've got to get enough of it in. For me, I have to, the the last thing I taste has to be bitterness. So oh, really? that, that, that could go on my head. So <laughs> like like someone who dies in a petty duel. Well, I love it. I mean, coffee and lemon meringue pie, we're on to a winner. Again, always extra points on this podcast for not bringing anything healthy or help us walk longer or release protein. Uh, blah, absolutely. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, look, I'm walking to a bus stop. Exactly, I'm happy. You know, an energy bar would yeah. just... It would yeah. seem superfluous. So the final question on, on the journey is this one. How do we mature in service? Um, <laughs> seems a bit weird after talking about childish things. Mm. Um, and actually, to be honest, I think the first thing I'd say is we mature when we don't take ourselves so seriously. Yeah. I think when the ability to laugh at ourselves mm-hmm. is so important. Now, I mean, I've had a life of that. People have always seem to people like you actually matt have always managed to see the strange idiosyncrasies that are andrew grinnell uh, and and being able to point them out and turn them into some long joke uh which i'm sure you'll be able to do in a couple of seconds but I, so i've had some i've had some training in this but i think actually we mature when we take ourselves less seriously yes and included within that is we recognise that we don't need the, to take the credit. That actually other people can take the credit and it might have been us that did it, but they got it and it really don't matter. Uh, actually, because it's not about us. Mm-hmm. You know, again, theologically, if it's about God mm-hmm. doing this stuff and we're just joining God in that, mm-hmm. it's not about us anyway. Uh, and obviously we want him to take mm. the credit or, or the Godhead to take the credit, mm. but uh, you know, also others, yeah, let them have it, mm. you know, and actually you stop being a block to what's going on when you, when you kind of go, let's just be a bit open-handed about our identity and our role within this. It really doesn't matter. 
And, you know, I think, I think looking through life, one of the things that really has been vitally important is being around people who you are really committed to doing some stuff with, mm-hmm. but you're also able to laugh at the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. And go, oh, it's just stupid. Mm. Oh, what what an idiot we are mm. in trying to do this, mm. isn't it? Nothing's so important that you can't laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. Everything has to have a sense of humour to it. Yeah, because that's partly what joy is. Yeah, and even you know some of the people that are going through the toughest experiences of suffering mm. have that with spades on the ability to you know to turn that into humour or oh. to turn that into joy so you know i think we mature when we just stop taking ourselves so seriously the other thing i'd want to say on the maturing in service Mm. thing is that actually you become more available Mm. as you grow older rather than less available so so a a career structure says that you move up the ladder Mm -hmm. and become less available to people and only people at a certain level can engage with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the services Jesus imagines it. I think real service is actually you are more available, particularly to the least of these, yeah. uh, uh, than you were at the start. That you are so, you are open to anybody, mm. and more most importantly, you're open to receiving God from yeah anybody. Yeah, uh, and I, and I think yeah, I don't get that right a lot yeah you know i i i i pretend when i don't say i'm obsessed with power i'm obsessed with power Mm. i i want to be powerful Mm. um and and in some ways when the i don't read the bible very well but the bible reads me brilliantly Mm. Mm. (laughs) and it reminds me that actually that kind of obsession with power for my own ends yeah is a real falsehood Yes, uh, and 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 the way of recognizing that is to be available to everyone, mm. and to be available to more people. So yeah, I think think for me, there's something about subverting the ordinary. Yes, you go up the chain. Yes, and actually, you you're more open and more yeah. available to others. So 15 years ago, we sat in a Torero's coffee shop in Morden, and at the time, I was doing some work for a love and you were there as well and uh, I was in a couple of days a week and we, and they wanted to find me a job title and one of the things I did was come in and kind of help shape ideas and stuff like that and there were some job titles kicking around and I wasn't particularly fast but but the job titles were there were like in-house creative or uh, you know a love's creative person or all these kind of things I remember you took me out to Toreros and you sat me down and you said if you take one of those job titles this is the last time we'll ever have coffee together and I said what why and you said, because your job is to make any place you walk into more creative and everyone within it feel more creative than it is ever than to go in there and be the creative person in the room. Now, I would in- replace the word creative with any other word that people get their kind of their ego or their their power or their sense of worth from. And I would insert that story into it. I would say probably a hundred conversations I've had since we had that one, because I think whether that is uh, biblically literate, uh, you know, uh, articulate, whether that is leader, whether that is, you know, making decisions, whether that is financial shit, whatever it is, that thing that you want to put on yourself as the label 
my biggest maturing kitten service came whenever you said to me, no, 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 no. You make everyone in that room better at that thing by being in it, not by being the best at it in the room. That lesson is one that I don't think I will ever forget. But it doesn't surprise me then that when you talk about this, you talk about having to be willing to let go of that thing, having to be willing to Mm -hmm. not care who gets the credit, having to be willing to go, actually, this isn't about being less available. It's about being more present and allowing who you are to leak out of you rather than be kind of impressive to everyone looking at you. So um, that story goes a l- goes everywhere with me, that one. Uh, so people people think you're quite aggressive for threatening not to have coffee with me. But apart from that, they see the wisdom of, <laughs> of what was there. I think I probably needed it, you know, but, 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 but it's, but it's so, but it is really true because for so many of us, you know, we were told we could change the world. And so we went, great. What have we got to do that with? rather than going how can we be present and active in the world we want to change mm. i'm super i'm super grateful for that lesson and i knew when you were coming on here i'd want to tell that story because it was so transformative for me in terms of how i viewed things i'm such a big part of my maturing and i do think it's really applicable to people in terms of all those other things that that we sort of want to be seen as rather than want to share with with everyone i just think it's really important as is often the case with people, and this is why I love this podcast, because as is often the case, these four questions, there's always base note, like Rob Bell says, there's always like, there's yeah. always resonances. Yeah. And you started this thing by talking about, you know, being open, open-sided and being open-handed and open-hearted. And we talked about presence and yet, and then through all four of those questions, the, the two words that, that have struck me in what you've said are presence is being really important, yeah. like being yeah. with people like yeah. being around people and the right people and, and the right people, not as in the right people in commas, but you know, yeah. being around people in the right way. And the other one is about just about present, like just being in the moment, just being around and, yeah. and aware. Does that resonate back? Like when I say those two words, do you go, Oh yeah, I think that's probably, or I mean, cause sometimes people go, no, Matt, you're absolutely off on one there. You know, I do what you're talking about, but <laughs> like, does that resonate back? Yeah, no, I said, I think they resonate back and I think they resonate with probably some of our biggest learning from that walk mm. to the bus stop in Brazil. I, I had nothing else to offer, but the present to be present there mm. and my presence there, mm. you know, that, that was all that I had. And I guess in some ways the last 20 uh, six years of my life of mm. being partly trying to work out how do I do that walk to the bus stop in lots of different communities around the world and you know I mean one of the joys of I, there, I am so fortunate I am mm. so fortunate in being able to find ways to survive financially mm. by doing the things that I really firmly believe mm. and often they're not obvious things that are uh, uh, they're not obvious things that are created Mm. they're they're kind of marginalized Mm. things Mm. but one of the privileges of the poverty truth commission is watching people who in the world's eyes have incredible power mps uh, uh sports people you know sitting with somebody who in the world's eyes has very little power yeah and then finding human relationships with one another, yeah. then being present with one another, then yeah. giving the, each other the gift of one another's presence, yeah. and seeing how that shifts people. Yeah, you know, and you know, I often talk about that work. It's not uh, done with any Christian charity. Mm. 
uh, it's not explicitly Christian, but it's the most theological thing I've ever been in, because in some ways it is the nations of the world gathering together to learn how to be with one another. And when you read scripture, that's the end of the story. That's how it finishes. The kingdom of God is like MPs and sports people sitting down with the others that the world have called less than and discovering they are all equal. It's a, it's a it's a living parable, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And the gift oh, of yeah. being able to facilitate a space where you see that happening. Mm. I, 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 I'm not as grinnerish as I used to be. I don't think. I don't. Think I giggle and laugh and uh, and and just find everything as amusing mm. as I, as as maybe I should. But actually, if if anything brings a smile on my face mm. it's just watching that magic happen mm. where people people's labels literally fall down yeah and there's human to human relationships yeah um and if that's not good news then i don't want mm-hmm. whatever the church pezzles is good news yeah absolutely absolutely sometimes i meet people on this podcast I meet for the first time on this screen and sometimes I have the pleasure of speaking to people I've known for 20 years uh, like in fact longer yeah, but it yeah, is a it yeah, is a privilege yeah. to chat to to you anytime it's great to chat um, to you and and thanks so much for coming on thanks for everything you've shared I uh, people should definitely go and check out the Poverty Truth Commission we'll stick some links in the in the show notes right. and and also your other work as well with Urban Life and I'd encourage people to check out you you do these conversations you host conversations as well don't you with people um and they yeah. are well worth checking out I've been to a couple of those and they're absolutely, more questions than answers that's the one I will put a link yeah. to Urban Life as well because those honestly anyone out there who even just likes to kind of grapple with things or talk about things, those more question and answer sessions are absolutely stunning. I'd really encourage you to check those out online because I've I've loved the ones of those I've been able to get to. Andrew, honestly, I could talk to you all day and who knows, we might stop recording. We might talk for another four hours anyway. But for now, <laughs> on this episode, the bit that everyone else gets to hear, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with Andrew and today was no exception. Thank you to him again for coming on the Altering Podcast. And I know I always say it, but it really is true. I get to listen to these episodes over and over again as I do the edit and all those things, but I promise you, you're going to want to listen to that one again. That's it for this episode, but don't forget to share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All those things help us get the show heard by even more people. And you can also now access our brilliant sketch notes and small group questions that accompany each episode. Just search for the All Terrain podcast or click the link in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain podcast.